Arnell and I would not have made it through computer science, would not be YC founders today if it weren't for the very, very important mentors we had along the way. The more that we can be empowering people who are not the like quote unquote typical software engineer with the tools and skills and knowledge to be able to build things, the better. On this episode, I'm joined by Erica Hairston and Arnell Ansong, co-founders of Edlift. Any CS major knows that most universities don't have the resources to handle every question from every student that needs help in a timely manner. Edlift provides the structured mentorship and community that these ladies piece together themselves, so aspiring engineers of all backgrounds don't slip through the cracks. is helping create the next million computer science college graduates. And so the way we do that is we offer students group tutoring and access to an older student who's done the class before and really just like a guide on how to be successful in CS. So this is the thing Arnell and I like super wish we had in university and we know the world needs more computer scientists. So we're just really pumped to get to work on such a like hard problem to solve that we felt ourselves. Yeah. And then just to rewind a little bit, was there a specific point, was there a specific trigger that made you both decide to go full-time on this? Yeah, and to just like add some color into what Erica said, neither of us studied computer science before we went to college. And so the transition into our first computer science classes was tough, just because in a lot of these classes, you are coding next to people who seem to have been coding for just so much longer. And so it's intimidating to try to take these classes and you know, like feel like you're doing well, even if you're doing fine, it feels hard the whole time. And so giving students the things that we got when we were in college, whether that's like an upperclassman who kind of invests in you and helps you out or a study group of people who you can, you know, suffer together with, um, because that also is like super, super important. And so, yeah, we kind of ended up discovering that we wanted to study computer science for different reasons. I was hanging out with a friend who was interning at Pinterest and saw that she got free dinner and that she was being paid so much that summer and was like, oh, like, I should study this. And so it was that summer that I decided to take the like second class in my course because I was intimidated to take the second one, even though I had done well in the first one. And Erica's story is a little bit different, but like that was a trigger for us. And so we went to different colleges, but we're connecting as like Erica was doing internships in the Bay and I stayed in the area after college. And we just kind of realized that we both had these lightning bulb moments and also like had people help us along the way um, and felt really compelled as we just talked to more students that it was going to be an important thing to be able to share this with more people. Because as Erica said, like the world needs more CS students and they're great jobs. And so why not equip more people to like be phenomenal engineers or whatever they want to do. CS just super paid off for both of us and that Arnell ended up interning as a software engineer at Google. And similarly, I spent a couple summers at, at Facebook uh, and then as a product manager at LinkedIn. And really, we just realized that like so many more talented people had just as much drive and potential and could be in these roles. And that was really the impetus for us to quit those great jobs because we knew more people could have access to them. So just to get down in the weeds a little more about what a CS major entails, because I'm not technical. <laughs> I'm sure some listeners are not technical as well. What did you think that a CS major would be like? And then what was it actually like? That's such a good question. I think the one really big thing that 
I experience and we see with our students is in high school for the most part and also for some classes you can write a paper in like a day and it might not be your best work but it'll be fine but you cannot do that with a computer science assignment like you can spend 10 20 30 40 hours on a single assignment and it's not intuitive that that has to happen. And so for a lot of students, it's a very frustrating experience because they get their homework assignment that's due in a week and they think, okay, I'm going to treat this like all of my other homework, but you cannot do that. And it's super hard to do on your own and collaboration is really important too. And so it takes a different muscle and a different way of studying. And if you don't have people to literally tell you that or people to experience that with, it's super hard. And I think a lot of people get discouraged from it because they don't recognize that it's just going to take more time. Yeah. And for me specifically, like it wasn't until I graduated high school where the only like media depictions I had seen of computer science people or coders were, you know, guys in hoodies alone in the dark. And I was like, I don't want to be that person. I'm not a brainiac or a nerd. And so a lot of people count themselves out. Uh, and I did that myself before I had even given it a try. And so really like a CS major is more collaborative than that. Computer science is meant to be a body of work that you do with other people. And that's actually like the key to success to make it through. But it can be daunting, it can be long, um, but it pays off so much in the end. And the beauty of it also is that it's in every industry, like yeah. fashion, sports, anything you name has computer science in it. And so that was part of the draw uh, for me to get into it. And I just remember like being um, a student and not wanting to take the classes because I had friends who had taken them before me and they were like pulling all-nighters all the time. And I was the kind of student that like liked scheduling blocks of time for my work and going to bed by like midnight. And so I think that was like an intimidating thing for me too. It was like, oh, like people really hype these classes up as like crazy and I'm not, I don't want to do a crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you both got into these very competitive schools. Erica, you were at Yale. Arnell, you were at Stanford. What pieces of mentorship or I guess more broadly resources were you able to draw on that enabled you to succeed that you're trying to build into the Edlift product? So every time I give a talk to students or young girls or anything about computer science, the first thing that I start with is I had a tutor or a mentor for every single computer science class I took in college. And I'm not ashamed of it because getting help is like what was required for me to make it through. And no one should be afraid to ask or get more help. And so really like at school, I made sure to find those, you know, extra office hours and extra tutors. But what was just really frustrating was the average wait time to get help and office hours could be anywhere from two to six hours. And so I found an actual old email that I had sent to an older student where I was like, Amelia, like I know you're a grad student, but I'm like about to drop the computer science major and I'm a junior and I really don't want to have to drop it. I'm willing to pay you for extra hours. And so really just like seeking out those folks who could be compassionate is what truly helped me make it through. I was like finding people to help me along the way. Are there, this is kind of a strange question, but I do feel like it ties into a lot of what some of our past guests have been working on. Were there any hints in each of your childhoods that would suggest you would go on to become founders or this would be the type of problem that you wanted to work on? So I like have been interested in education for like most of my life. I mean, I think both of us have been tutoring, mentoring students for uh, like a really long time. And I could point back to my past and I don't know, I think I've always been interested in like 
creating things and this concept of like owning the impact that I had and like doing work that was deeply resonant has been important to me. But I definitely wouldn't, I wouldn't have projected out uh, that I'd be working on this in the same way, in the way that I am right now at this time. Yeah, I think in terms of my own past, I never had seen myself as an engineer or a startup founder before, but there were definitely hints that I would start something on my own in terms of like my dad has started several small businesses. He probably owns over 800 domain names. He's that, <laughs> he's that evil guy that when you go to buy one and they're trying to charge you lots of money, that's him. Um, and so I have that in my family and in my blood, but I've always just like wanted to create something for more people to have access to opportunity. And so really, I think in my childhood, it was a mix of my parents and my family, but also like just always trying to do the hard thing has been a passion of mine. Like I really like to break expectations uh, and things like that. So this is the biggest challenge someone can do, one would argue, is start a company. Yeah. Can you talk a little more about deciding to take this hard path, deciding to quit your stable jobs Mm. and do this startup? Yeah. It definitely wasn't like overnight. In fact, like before Edlif, we had actually worked on another startup together called Zimela. And really where that was the first moment where I realized like I could be a startup founder was I was interning at LinkedIn and the head of product actually told me, I said, if you had one more year left of college, what would you do differently? And he was like, I would have built something faster that people wanted to use and got people to use it. And so really that was the impetus behind me using my senior project and senior thesis to build an app, to find more role models and resources uh, that I could relate to. And so that was called Zamella. And that was the first time where I had built something and people actually wanted to use it. Uh, And then it was, as Arnell said, we reconnected back in the Bay Area and I talked about it with her and we decided to do it together while we had our full-time jobs, which Arnell can talk more about being a consultant at Bain, but she worked many, many hours. And so trying to do both was definitely stressful. And so it was after just like lots of conversations with students and with ourselves where we realized we need to believe in ourselves before anyone else is going to believe in us. And so that was the true impetus behind, you know, quitting our jobs as us seeing a clear path and believing in what we could do. Um, But it definitely took a lot of time to get there. Yeah. And just to like add to what Erica said, we spent the summer of last year just interviewing and talking with lots of students um, who were interested in CS, who thought about graduating in it and didn't. And we kept hearing this theme over and over again of I'm just not a CS person. I decided CS wasn't for me. And when we dug into that, it was very clear that these people had interest in computer science, but had structural things that kept them from continuing in the major. And so it became really, really clear to us that there was a problem uh, and we had an idea for how to solve it. And so once we started to get more and more crystal on the idea and it became more and more taxing to do our full-time jobs and also this, we decided to just take the bet on ourselves. Yeah, I think that point where you're talking about intercepting college students at a point in their lives when they're making a critical decision could affect their life for many years to come. I think that's really important, but something I just want to unpack really quickly is Zamella. Can you talk some more about what that was and how it shaped your approach with Edlift? So Zamella really was like the combination of, uh, I was a double major. So I majored in African-American studies and computer science. And so for my senior thesis for African-American studies, I looked at the relationship between power, tech, and race. And really what came out of writing that was 
me realizing that I just wanted to see more stories of people I can relate to in tech to inspire me to do it. Like you, you can't be what you can't see is the famous quote. Uh, and so I had like wrote my first iOS app. It was so, so bad. So, so buggy. Um, I taught myself while I built it, but really it was a way for you to, you know, search by, you know, I'm interested in computer science and I want to see more women who have successfully done this and could find role models in their stories. And so that was what like I had built my senior year of college and then kind of heard from a lot of people that, hey, like I want access to this thing. And so over the summer, turned it into a real app. But really like the big shift that happened was we had actually talked to actually a YC partner who asked us what was the most significant thing in our lives in terms of like getting into these great jobs that you had mentioned. And while having role models and seeing inspiring stories was empowering, it actually wasn't making the like stats a difference in people's lives. We both kind of realized computer science is the thing that opened the door for us. And so I guess to answer your question, I would say really it was, we knew that we could create more access to computer science and great jobs. And so we started with this role models inspiration, but moved more into how can we have bigger impact? I think that Zamella was trying to solve this problem of for people who are transitioning in a career, how can we paint the path of access for them? So share resources that are relevant for them and share stories of inspiring people that kind of give them a sense of how they can make the next steps they need in their career. But we realized that really the more significant thing is not just when I'm trying to get a job when I'm a senior and graduating or when I'm transitioning in industry. It's that freshman or sophomore in college who is thinking roughly about tech and excited about it, but really doesn't know what next steps to take. It, was, it became really clear that we wanted to um, intercept at that point. Yeah, so there are freshmen and sophomores around the country that are thinking about choosing their major. Maybe they're struggling in their CS classes. How have you narrowed your focus to determine what are good colleges or initial markets to think about right now? So one thing that we like just did really tactically to make things simple for us is we focused in on schools in California because that's where both of us are. And it is really important for us to be constantly interfacing, interacting with our students to make sure that we are meeting needs for them. And so that was the thing that whittled down the millions of college students thinking about their major to just thousands and working with them in that way. Yeah, I think Arnell is spot on in that we wanted to have local proximity to start with. The famous YC advice is do things that don't scale when you launch. Uh, and that's the you know super advantage that a startup has is Arnell and I are the co-founders of this company and we can go talk to our users in a way that a huge company can't. And so that's why we chose to start in California. And then specifically at like a school like UC Berkeley, for example, um, they have 1900 students in their intro CS class. And only half of them will actually get a passing grade to be able to declare CS as a major. And you can imagine like such a cutthroat competitive environment. There's truly this like hair on fire problem for students to get more support and get more help. And so we were very strategic about launching there um, because we knew there were just literally so many students who needed our help. Yeah, at um, a lot of UCs, at all of the UCs that we're working with, computer science is an impacted major, which means like more students want to do it than the university feels they can support. And so there are these uh, grade cutoffs and discourage students from actually majoring in the major. So a student signs up for EdLift. Yeah. They will not be talking to you every single time that they have a Zoom call, unfortunately. How are you thinking about scaling yourselves and scaling the service to ensure that it's still really high level quality? Yeah. But at the same time, 
you can automate certain pieces of the process. Yeah. And so one of the things that you said really well is that student, student feedback is so, so important to us. And we like always, both of us want to be hearing stories from students about how their experience with computer science has been and also like how they're interacting with our services. And so that is something we will not probably be able to interact with all of our students at scale, but always want to be hearing that feedback. And so one of the things that our students will do is after each of our sessions, they'll fill out a three uh, like question survey. That's like, would you recommend this to a friend? How helpful was this with helping you with your homework and why? Um, just so we can like get those tidbits, stories, pieces of feedback around like what actually made a difference for you in this and what did not so that we can iterate the product so that we're actually helping our students. Yeah, and I actually don't think I mentioned this, but the way Adlift works is we actually pay these older students who've taken the class yeah. before to like ace it to host these group tutoring sessions and these, you know, community study groups. And so at each school, we have these amazing, phenomenal student mentors who have like been empowered themselves to host really fun sessions. And so that's how we're thinking about scale is that at each school, if for every 10 students, we have this awesome student mentor to host these sessions, that's how we can grow quickly and maintain high value. And so we hire great mentors by interviewing them so that we can screen for that quality as well. Yeah. Yeah. And just to zoom out a little bit, how do you think about higher education as a whole and maybe some of these different boot camps that the Valley loves to talk about? Yeah. Higher education is one of those things that when you look at it, like from a macro level, it's one mm -hmm. of those weird things where the tuition has like grown a hundred percent over the last seven years. And it's very like, unlike a lot of things uh, in society, but what most people who went to college or went, you know, to post-secondary education will say is it was the best four years of my life, or it was these great years where I could explore my passions and understand like what I'm excited about working on. And so my opinion on where the future of higher ed will go is those four or two years after high school are really important for young adults to learn what they're excited about and really explore what they can do in the future. And so higher education will need to keep up with society in terms of in-demand fields and the price, there will definitely be a breaking point. But when we look at how recruiters are recruiting, it's a great PR stunt to say they're not looking at higher education anymore on the resume, but we know that that's not true, right? Like they're still looking for that degree. And so I think higher education will maintain as an important pillar in our society, but the way it looks will have to keep up with the demand and what students major in will be more in line with required skills for the workforce. And I agree with everything Erica just said, and we'll add that it's something like 75% of students who go through coding boot camps already have a college degree, like a, a bachelor's or more. And I think that's just a sign that they're maybe not getting the value that they wish they had out of their college degree. And so I think we're going to see some shift, some change there. Yeah. What you're working on is obviously about much more than just exiting a valuable startup or building something big. It's about creating a more equitable world. Based on what you've seen in the Valley so far, what can people in the startup world be doing to affect more positive change and make that a reality? I guess there are a lot of things. One thing that OYC reiterated for us and I think is very true is that it's best to work on problems that you know and are passionate about. And so I think the things that people say around like diverse teams being important and having a diversity of experiences at any table, 
important for many, many, many reasons. But one of them is that it's hard to build something for a problem that you can't see or can't know. And so it's really, really important that we are building things that solve actual problems for people that are experiencing them. And I think uh, sometimes what happens, and it's for a good reason, right? I think one of the things that Silicon Valley is made fed of for is that there are all these software engineers building products that are just for them or building things that are not actually affecting change. And it's because they're building things for problems that they themselves have experienced and they've like lived lives in a certain way. And so the more that we can be empowering people who are not the like quote unquote typical software engineer with the tools and skills and knowledge to be able to build things, the better. Plus one. <laughs> uh, I think the other angle I would hit it on in terms of like what folks in the startup world or in Silicon Valley can do to affect positive change is mentorship is so mm-hmm. important. And that is like the key piece of Edlift, right? It's that like Arnell and I would not have made it through computer science, would not be YC founders today if it weren't for the very, very important mentors we had along the way. And so what we can do with our experiences and our privilege and our like domain expertise being in Silicon Valley is so powerful that it's so easy to forget when we're in this bubble that we know just so much and have accrued so much knowledge. And so the more you can find time to pass that knowledge on and encourage someone else who might not be able to see this world could make eons a difference. And have there been any moments where either you've taken a step back and you were like, wow, I am a young black woman in tech. I can't believe that just happened to me. This is really frustrating. And on the flip side of that, have there been any moments where you were like, wow, as a young black woman in tech, I'm so grateful that this happened to me. One really quick thing that I like, I don't know, is like deeply satisfying is I just like have cousins, a cousin at home who, um, who's working on creating a poultry farm, a commercial poultry farm in Ghana. And we like started asking me questions. And this is my cousin's husband who I like very much look up to. And the, the moment I realized that I had actual knowledge that I could share that was potentially helpful, like really hit me. Yeah. And I think just to reiterate what Erica said, I think mentorship is super important and it feels like really, really amazing that like we have skills, knowledge, tools that can uh, like be applied in a lot of different ways that can impact change and help people succeed in a lot of different areas. It's funny to hear Ethan like say it back in terms of as a young black woman in tech, how has it felt? And it's funny because I, I mentioned this earlier, but I think along my entire journey and Arnell, you might've experienced this too, is like, I'm used to being the only or the one in the room yeah. and sticking yeah. out. And, and there's moments where that exacerbates imposter syndrome, but there's also moments where it makes me feel like I am the exception and, you know, I'm different in this room and I stick out, but that is an opportunity for me to shine. And so that's really like what pushes me to create more space for people like me and that being the only can actually, you know, supercharge you to be your best self so that you're not only the only in the future. Are there any other questions that you wished people asked you more often? Because I think there are always going to be some important questions that I am not asking that in general, maybe the startup world and the world at large are not asking that need to be asked. I think uh, something that's been helpful for me as I, so when I was in college, I did not know what I wanted to do. And I had this taste of, oh, if I take computer science classes, I'll have a lot of optionality and I want that. Um, But I didn't enter college with 
this grand vision of I'm going to be an entrepreneur or I'm going to be an engineer. Like, and that wasn't part of uh, my narrative. And I think it was really important to deeply consider like how I wanted to be moving in the world and what impact I wanted to make. Um, and the like grand vision does not have to be, I want to like end climate change or I want to solve world hunger, right? It can be like, I want to be working in these kinds of ways in these problem spaces. And I think really reckoning with the fact that I did have some choice was really helpful because I think it's very easy to enter, especially if you're going to a really competitive college, it's really, or just you're in an environment where everyone's doing the same thing. It can be very easy to just make the choice that everyone else is making because it seems like the right thing to do. And so really owning, we have 24 hours in a day and just like owning that there is choice and agency and really like stepping into that was really important for me as I tried out all sorts of different things when I was in college. So I interned at Google, but also like wrote a cookbook and worked as a product manager and like really tried so many different things. And I was like really, really important for someone to stage to me and for me to internalize. In terms of, I guess, other questions that I would want someone to ask, I think one would be who gets to start a startup? And that's something, especially, you know, we're in this COVID-19 world where the massive gap in terms of, you know, privilege has never been clearer in terms of like who's keeping our economy running and who's working from home with kids. And I think a question that I would ask myself and that I'm thinking about a lot these days is what impact do I want to have? after this is over, like how will I have changed everyone else's experience or even just one person's experience? But yeah, I don't know. The who gets to start a startup is really like something I'm still grappling with. Uh, and for us, it was really like we were in these privileged you know, spaces where we had had great educations and great jobs and were able to make that bet on ourselves. And I think there's so many people who yeah. need a push or need encouragement, but don't have the, the safety net to fall back on. And so it's really, I just feel very lucky to be in this situation and I want to make the biggest impact possible with this opportunity. Yeah. Okay. Based on everything that you know about having gone through YC and who decides what gets funded in the Valley, what can be done to create a more equitable process? Yeah. One thing that I'll add is that networks are so, so important. And so like knowing someone who's done it before you dramatically helps because they're able to refer you, they're able to tell you, this is what I did on my application, or this is something that helped me and they can tell you to do it the same way. And so as people like can reach out and help people that do not have access to that, like that, that is something that like truly, truly opens doors. So this is after YC, this is our we're first time founders. And what I've been amazed to witness in the fundraising process is it's this is just plus one again to what Arnella said, but who you know is almost more important than what you've done. And in the investing process, it actually is like the only thing that matters. And what people can do to make it more equitable besides like reach out a lending hand is to have faith in someone's background and drive and potential. And sometimes taking a bet on the person versus who they know will give you way more, you know, return on your investment, quite literally. Uh, and so seeing beyond the accolades or the, the network would change the way tech looks, in my opinion. Yeah. And then Asher and I always ask our guests this question. Are there any books or podcasts that have had a very large impact on your thinking or your life? 
My book is Michelle Obama's Becoming. Oh my gosh, I cried like a baby through that book. She's actually one of the reasons that, you know, I ended up quitting LinkedIn was because I got to hear her speak. And she really just said this one statement around, sometimes it's hard to show up as you in your job if you don't like yourself first. And you have to like yourself first um, before you expect others to do that. And really, once you can do that, then you take your seat at the table. I have this fascination with getting to like trace other people's thoughts and thinking about people's stories in really deep ways. I would say that it's a passion of mine. Um, and getting to read in like late middle school, high school, Trimamanda Ngozi Adichie's Americana and reading Chumpa Lahiri's Unaccustomed Earth uh, made pretty big impact on me because they both do a really, really great job of, it's fiction, but like telling, um, capturing the sublime and telling really, really beautiful stories. And so those are two books that I love a lot. And maybe for similar reasons, it, I would not say that it has impacted my life in a large way, but I really like the podcast Dissect. I'm really into music. And so getting to hear someone break down um, like Frank Ocean's Blonde, like so great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So where can people follow along with you and Ed Lifstream? We are on all social media, um, but our website is edlift.com, uh, spelled with a Y, so Ed, L-Y-F-T. Uh, we also have a blog where if you're a college student uh, interested in CS, we write a lot of content uh, that you can find on our website as well. Perfect. We will link to those in the show notes. Erica and Arnell, it's been a joy. Thank you, so much. Thank you for having us. This has been Ethan Lee Tyson with Worth. You can find show notes below or at worth.card.co. That's card with two R's. Thanks for your time.